What is up, everyone? Episode 25 of Believe in Queens. Buckle up. This is going to be a good one. No, Anthony Recker is not here with us tonight. I know. I know He's here in spirit, favorite. though. We're, we're wearing the Rec shirt. So. We got the Get Rec shirt. I know. Everyone's favorite. He and I, if you guys couldn't tell, there's a little bit of tension here. Obviously, last episode, I took it off. This episode, Wrecker's taking it off. We're not getting along at the moment. That's the real reason <laughs> for the for the rotating, uh, revolving door, rather, of, uh, of co-hosts. But we do have a very special uh, substitute co-host, if you will, fill-in co-host, if you will, who's going to be joining us in just a second after I remind you all that this episode of Believe in Queens, like the rest of them, is brought to you by Bet Online. Head on over to Bet Online for your latest lines, odds, news, and developments. We've got about six or seven regular season MLB games left, and then the MLB playoffs to bet on. Football, college football, they're both in full swing. The NBA and NHL around the corner. Do all your betting over at Bet Online. And how about this? We got a new promo code for you guys. Use the promo code Believe, B L E A V, no numbers, no nonsense. And instead of a 50% welcome bonus with that promo code Believe, you will get a 100% Ooh, welcome bonus. I like Bet that. Online, it's where the games begin, baby. Let's get our guest in here. Joining us now, not only is he one of the best MLB pundits, reporters, and experts in the industry, he's the host of Unfiltered on the Believe Network. He is also a fellow Long Islander and a diehard Mets fan, an encyclopedia of New York Mets knowledge. In fact, the show he hosts is actually called Unfiltered, with Casey Stern, because here he is. It's Casey Stern. Hey, what's up, Casey? What's up, gentlemen? What's going on? And, and by the way, even though Wreck isn't here, you brought in somebody who's wrecked from drinking too many Monster Energies. It's, <laughs> you know, I didn't realize it. all the shows that I do are during the day normally, and I didn't realize how much sunlight actually affects. So if it looks like it's dark in here, it's because none of us are sleeping tonight because of how excited we are about this freaking baseball team. So let's go. Are your neighbors sleeping tonight after that win? I'd imagine you were loud as hell. No. No, I, they're, they're not sleeping at all. I mean, it's just me and the dog here right now. Luckily, the kids aren't here tonight because I don't – my pacing, I'm so pumped up about not being embarrassed about this baseball team. Like, when we're down 4 nothing, I think people think it's some reverse psychology BS, all the stuff I've been saying on Twitter about don't give up. But this is not the same team. This is a different feel with Buck, with Max, with the guys and the culture in that room where – you just had a you had a feeling something going to turn. And by the way, if they would have lost tonight, they would have gone out and shut the Braves out in game one of the series and figured it out that way. I, I've been confident about this team winning the division for months. I've said it'll go down the stretch. It may go down to the final day. I don't care. I inject all this into my veins. Give me free DeGrom. <laughs> I'm not sleeping for the next two days. Let's freaking go. Let's go. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm with so you, jacked up. And, 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 you know, look, this year, we've all had a feeling, you know, the three of us, we love this team. We follow this team closer than anyone. We've known things were different, right, all year long. And I've been Mr. Optimism. You know, even at times when Tyler and his post-game rants, if they lose, they're phenomenal, they're entertaining as hell. But I've always been Mr. Optimism, like you, like, we're going to win the division. No matter what it takes, when it happens, it's going to happen. And I called Tyler up when we were down 3 nothing. I don't think he's ever ever seen me like that in the oh, what, I, I was I was shaking in my boots what was that phone call like Tyler? oh my god Joe Joe was like that absolutely disgruntled father where I didn't do anything wrong but I just had to hear him vent and just deal with the repercussions Joe was not happy nor was I we were both watching this Mets ball game he chimes in he sees the Mets are already down to nothing because Brian De La Cruz decided to be Barry Bonds this series against the New York Mets from game one to game two and yeah, no, it was it was not a fun phone call, and nor was this a fun Mets ball game to watch. Quite literally, up until that seventh inning. 
It got fun, though. It got fun. Casey, I mean, there's got to be so many positive takeaways. Eddie Escobar, I don't know, you know, if he started juicing about six weeks ago, but he's been incredible down the stretch here. How about the bullpen, man? The, the, the way that the what? bullpen handled and the Drew eighth, Smith? ninth, and tenth. I mean, how many Drew like Paul. moments have we had? Like, oh my God, Drew Smith, that is it going to happen again? <laughs> and then Drew, to trade. I mean, every, really. So, I I thought like first of all on Escobar, this dude has been for a long time as good a clubhouse guy anywhere as as there's ever been, right? So, in the list of like when we talk about the culture of like, hey, Bucks is Bucks done that, Max has done this, and we always go through the list. He never really gets mentioned. But he's as beloved as, and respected as anybody there in terms of being a glue guy. But for him to be as dejected as he was months ago, feeling you could tell like he was upsetting and disappointing the fans. I was saying this in something I did earlier tonight. Like We love Bartolo Colon because of his weight and all that, but we love him because he loved being a Met. We, we don't understand why anyone wants to be a Met because we're Met fans and we're like dejected all the time. We're insane from pain constantly. So if you don't want to be a Yankee and you want to be a Met and you feel that we love that. And Escobar, you could tell we feel that that's real. That's what makes it so great that he's had such success. And to me, the, the thing that stood out and I'm curious, I mean, Tyler, you thought of this and Joe, like, but the, the ABs he had hitting the ball the other way where it's pitched, like, this was a guy who, especially from one side of the plate, looked like he didn't know how to hit for half the year. Bingo. And this wasn't like accidental. He got a hold of one that was over the middle. Those two ABs both hit to the, I mean, they gorgeous in terms of hitting it where it's not. You know, Tony Gwynn may rest 5.5 hole in that last one. Good for him, man. I'm so pumped. But I thought really those two ABs were pretty special in the way he got those two hits. They, they were awesome. They were awesome. Tyler, haven't heard much from you so far in the, uh, the early goings of this one, man. I mean, I know you just went on your whole YouTube post-game rant uh, per usual, but, you know, talk to me, baby. The, the bullpen just shoved towards the end there. You got to be feeling good about something. What's the biggest takeaway for you besides for Fogo? Yeah, biggest takeaway before I expand on Escobar is, again, you know, Edwin Diaz did what we expect him to do, striking out the side against a team that's very vulnerable to strikeouts, and he made them look absolutely silly. Reminded me a lot of Jacob deGrom, especially when you think about Jake when he had to face those single-A teams in his rehab. Like, it wasn't far off whatsoever. But not only that, I mean, Drew Smith. Uh, Drew Flo's a guy that, of course, was not put in a great situation. His first outing off the IL that we discussed in a previous previous episode. We weren't happy about that, him being in that situation. Bases load. So 0-2 count, unfortunately, hung that pitch that led to the Grand Slam. Looked good in the Oakland A's series when he had an outing or two. And then today, this was the biggest statement he could make. I mean, guys are pushing to try to make sure that they are on this playoff roster out of the bullpen. And Drew Smith came out with a runner on second and didn't even allow that runner to move with those two strikeouts. I thought he was, again, the biggest takeaway from a pitching standpoint. Ty wasn't even bad tonight. I was ruining the idea of the Mets not having offense because people are going to focus on his performance. While it wasn't great, it wasn't terrible by any stretch. Unfortunately, like Cookie was in game one. But pitching-wise, Drew Smith is the guy. I I hope that this is a big confidence boost for him from what we've seen. Joe just left the show somehow, so hopefully he comes back in here in a second. Um, See, I thought but, he was pressing the button just trying to like back out and just let us – like he was just background singer just letting us – Yeah, I know. He'll, he'll come back. No no worries. We'll get That's Joe right. back in here. He must but... have thought Wrecker was back in here and he just yeah. ducked out. <laughs> Would it be hilarious if <laughs> Rex the one that joined? Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Oh, oh my God. Uh, now I'm getting off track here. See, see, now the schmuck's back in the show. And see, now Casey. Don't you love when up. a tab unexpectedly. You know, Tyler, what happened was I was actually just sick of hearing you. 
Yeah, record uh, took your record took your wife your Wi-Fi out. I mean, apparently, <laughs> this is what happens when you take a Long Island guy and you send him out to L.A. and he doesn't know what the hell's going on. It's like, what is it? Like the afternoon still over there? Every thirty seconds, right? I mean, come on. Me. What a schmuck! But, but by the way, but but uh, on Tywin Walker, let me ask both of you guys this because I, I thought <laughs> a lot of times what happens is managers, if you make a if you make a decision and it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't, then you're an idiot. Yeah. Buck tried to get Ty that one extra chance against Stanley Cruz. He put him out there to leave him out one extra hitter because he was trying to build his confidence and let him kind of go through it after he walked the, the batter to open that inning. And obviously he rips, I think it was a double down the line in that yeah. AB, right? You know, I like the, but I'm sure if they lost this game, that's something that people would have talked about, but I like that Buck did that because with all this, who's going to start game four stuff. Buck's got to find out what he's got. He's got to find out which one of you know, he or Cookie could pitch out of the bullpen, right? So he's got to see him with different situations, you know, kind of in, in, try and play it out a little bit and build their confidence. I actually, I'm curious what you guys thought about that. I like the decision. I know it didn't work, but I like the decision that he rolled with Ty in that spot, especially because he was coming off that inning prior where, you know, the home plate ump. I mean, I don't know if he was drunk or what the hell. I mean, it was like he went to the Angel Hernandez School of Umpiring. He but wouldn't be the first. It was terrible. But to me, I, I thought, I'm curious your take. I thought that was a good move by Buck, even though it didn't work out and Ty gave up that third hit. Yeah, personally, I was all for it. I mean, you know, to call it a good move, I don't know if I'll go that far because it didn't work out. But if it had worked out, we'd be like, good on Buck. To it was point. a good idea. So, yeah, I, I'm all for it. Like you said, <laughs> you know, we've got to figure it out because it was a question that I was actually going to pose to you this episode. Who the hell is the game for start? Like, we still don't know. It's not clear. It was clearly Ty when he had an all-star worthy first half, but he's done with Taiwan Walker, unfortunately, and I love the guy. He's done what he does in the second half once again this year. Um, so that, that is a big question mark. Um, but no, I, I have no issue with Buck leaving him out there. It's, come on. It's the Marlins. It's the Marlins. This is a minor league lineup, right? Like, a guy like Ty Walker, who, despite what he's done in the second half this season, has tremendous stuff, should be successful against this lineup. You get him once, he should get you the next time. So it didn't work out. That's unfortunate. But you know what? At the end of the day, we don't have to worry about that. Buck doesn't have to sit in the presser and answer those questions. Not tonight, at least. Thankfully. And yeah, no, to just uh, relay what you were saying, Joe, I thought that was a fine move by Buck. Again, if the Mets lost this game, it wouldn't be because it wouldn't be because of a lack of pitching. It would, it would be because the offense didn't show up again, which is something that they have unfortunately done in September at home, especially against lesser teams. But, you know, it's not like the Mets have much time left. All they have is that national series to really get those last looks at tie at cookie. And then you go from there. I mean, there's, there's a great reality in my opinion, where when it comes to a four starter, you know, I, even if cookie shoves against the Nats, I'm not trusting him right now. I think that Ty has the lead over cookie at this juncture. And I, I almost want to say Trevor Williams might be ahead of cookie Carrasco as well, which might be an outlandish take. Uh, I know. Again, it, uh, it might it might Kirk be out. Fifteen game winner. Dude. You had too much I, monster energy. Too. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I just co no, cookie. I, I think it concerns me because when he does not have the slider, especially he's getting beaten up quick. And the Mets have shown that again tonight was a different story. Thankfully, at the time of recording this, with them coming back, but the Mets have shown, especially for quite a bit this year, that when they are down by early deficits significantly, it that really is quite the uphill battle. And if you can avoid that at all costs with cookie being prone within those first couple innings, when he doesn't have his stuff, then, you know, I say that's something worth considering. Let me throw this back at you and, and just, and, and get both of your takes on this. First of all, what makes Trevor Williams most valuable is that every time he comes out, 
There doesn't have to be a set stage for him. It could be randomly yep. there's an injury, two pitches into a game. It could be you know, all of a sudden five scoreless, and now the bases are loaded, and boom, we need you in. It could be inherited runners, not inherited runners. That's his role, right? Correct. The question of the game four starter, to me, is not so much who would you rather start game four. It's who is more viable in a pen role in the playoffs that can help you. That's because true. that is... Re- if it's going to be a toss-up, because look, let's be fair, right? Both these guys have pitched at high levels before. They've both done it at times this season. You don't know. You're flipping a coin game four with either guy. You really don't know what you're going to get. And especially if you're facing a team like, let's say, the Dodgers, for crying out loud. I mean, I, I don't know if either of those guys are going through that lineup a couple of times. But which one do you think is better suited to come out of the pen in that group and help you? Because that, to me, is the bigger question. And I think you got to think about, can either one of them throw enough strikes that you could trust that? Because that's the, the last thing you want is somebody in a bullpen coming out. Because, look, they're, they're not going to be off the roster. You know, whoever doesn't yeah. get that start going to be in the mix. I'll throw it to you guys. Who do you trust more coming out of the pen? Because that might be more of the question than who starts game four. Because I think you got to figure out who can really be valuable for you if Buck needs to call on a guy in a sixth or a seventh inning or an extra innings or a scenario like that. That's a great so, question. I'll, I'll tell you this from, from my experience as someone who, you know, obviously not at the same level as these guys who pitched, right? Like not every starter can, can go into a bullpen role and be successful, right? Like we've seen it. Some guys have their routine. Some guys get thrown off. Some guys don't work out of the stretch as well. So you come in and, you know, you, you come in guy on second inherited runners. They just, they can't handle it. Right. So I think you have to look at these guys and say, you know, and, and see who has experience in the past. It's funny because right now at this point, I trust Cookie a little more than Ty, which most people would say Cookie's your game four starter. But because of his experience, because he's a savvy vet, because he's pitched in the postseason before, I trust Cookie more to go to the pen and be successful for this team. Now, what I think, like you said, you know, Tyler, you mentioned that we're we're playing the Nationals. We get to see these guys one more time each against the Nationals. I don't care what they do because it's the Nationals, right? Yeah. We're going up against the Braves, the Dodgers, the Cardinals. Right. Those are the three teams that we're probably going to face if we win this division in whatever order, whatever combo. So you got to play matchups here. And what I think the answer is, is tie to start, maybe two, if you're lucky, three innings, David Peterson, and then Cookie. Go right, left, right, like you're a good boxer. And uh, I, I think that's just the best way to, to work in a game four. Look, tie and Cookie, the odds of Jake, Max, or Bassett getting shelled and being out of a game in the third inning and needing Cookie to come in, very, very slim. And hopefully you'll have Trevor on the playoff roster to do that if, God forbid, it happens. But I think Cookie and Ty are probably going to be predetermined to go in order back-to-back or maybe have Peterson in there to break it up right-left-right right, in that game four spot. And, and then I think, you know, when DeGrom, Max, and Bassett pitch, that's when Adovino, Drew Smith, Diaz, they, they'll all come in for those guys, Lugo and whatnot. But I think you're going to have six innings at least of Ty, DP, Cookie in that game four. Yeah, I mean that that's great. And I again, this is such a toss up right now because I feel like if you throw any type of combination, I'm not going to completely disagree or agree with you because again, we're only once we see it actually on the field, we're going to know the results. Um but for me personally, I tend to agree with you. The only thing that sticks out for me and that's been a struggle for the Mets that we even saw to a lesser extent tonight at the time of recording this with Seth Lugo giving up that one inherited run because of the RBI sack fly. The Mets have not done a great job this year when they're dealing with inherited runs. So I'm thinking of who is better coming out of the pen with dealing with guys on base. And for me, I don't know 
if Cookie is that guy that I personally favor in that spot, say over Ty, it's Ty is able to really pump the gun and really throw that high heater, something that we're going to see more than what we're seeing with potentially someone like Cookie. So in an inherited runners type situation, that's where I really don't know. It, it still feels like a coin flip for me. Like I don't have like one certain over the other, but that is something I'm thinking about because, again, the Mets have struggled with that plenty of times throughout the year out of their bullpen. Let me throw this at you just one more about, and, and you know, this is the fun part. By the way, isn't this a lot better than, you know, who are we going to fire or who are we going to get yeah. in free agency? I mean, how yeah, great yeah. are these conversations, right? Yeah, I mean, September 28th. Think, right? I mean, think, think about these conversations. It's not like when's hockey start, right? So, <laughs> I, but let me throw this back at you. Two, two things to think about. When you are thinking about a bullpen in a postseason, you're thinking of swings and misses. And, and Ty doesn't get as many of those. Cookie can go to more of a two-pitch mix in the way he can use the split and the changeup off the fastball and is almost better suited maybe out of the pen that way. But let me turn it around and just give you some devil's advocate. In terms of inherited runners, how about holding runners? Because if Taiwan Walker is in your bullpen and you're in a situation where you have like an inning that just started and somebody gets on base and you could bring Taiwan Walker out of the bullpen, all of a sudden, that dude going nowhere. Trey Turner not going anywhere, right? So uh, just something to think about in terms of the other parts of Taiwan, in which he's a weapon. Because you meant, I didn't think about this, Tyler, until you just mentioned with inherited runners. But I would say overall, the one thing about Cookie is he's probably more likely to get a strikeout for you if you need, which is usually what you're looking for out of the bullpen with inherited runners, where Taiwan Walker is probably not going to give that to you. Well, it's funny because to me, both uh, neither of those guys are really strikeout guys. They both pitch to contact at higher than usual rates. Cookie, I agree, because of the slider, a little more of a strikeout threat than Ty. Uh, this this season, actually, compared to past seasons, Cookie's strikeout numbers yeah, have actually been a tick up. Yep. Ty's had a stretch. You know, I was at the game uh, out here in Anaheim, Mets Angels, where Ty went like seven innings, had 10 strikeouts. He had his little stretch before the All-Star break where he was actually punching guys out. But that has been long gone. I mean, total contact pitcher. And when you're going up against lineups like the Braves, who are all or nothing, and if they put a bat on it, it's going to go far. Dodgers, they put a bat on it, going to go far. That scares me a bit. But Ty also is going to have a bit of a velo tick in that shorter role, whether it's out of the pen or starting a game. Because I don't think the starter is going to go more than three innings in game four, regardless of who it is. So you got to weigh different options, you know? Ty, great pickoff move to your phenomenal point, Casey. One of the best in baseball, especially from a righty. Also velo tick. We'll see what happens, but I, I just I do like the idea of splitting them up with Peterson in the middle. Um, you know, if he can give you one, maybe even two. Uh, I, I think you know six to seven innings with those three guys would probably be the best recipe for success in Game Four. I agree that if you're going to have Peterson in, you probably want him earlier in the game than say late. Like I do, I do not want to see a situation where David Peterson's coming out in the seventh, um, especially if he doesn't have his stuff. I mean, he can be a walks machine real quick. He's been huge with his strikeouts. There's no denying Peterson has been getting a lot of swing and misses, especially on that slider this year. But yeah, I, I'm 100% with you, Joe. I think if you're going to bring him in, have him be that middleman in between Cookie and Ty, whoever's starting. Yeah, yeah, and the other absolutely. thing, I just just to add in quickly that we've got to realize is when you're dealing with Max, you're going to see Max out of the pen. You're going to in the postseason. And if, by the way, if this is a successful postseason, yeah, Jake too. If if this is a successful postseason, 
you're going to see Max out of the pen like three times probably because in shutdown games where they have chances to win series, that's his MO. That they, that's what he does. He's going to come out there even if he didn't start that game and go pitch a seventh and eighth for you. We all remember back in 2015, that guy Syndergaard who used to pitch on this team and what he did in that game that DeGrom started right out in L.A. and he probably had the biggest inning in that game. To me, that's the other part that's so fascinating is – how Buck is going to unleash those two weapons later in the series when they get a chance to drop the hammer. Having DeGrom and Scherzer on their off days, being able to throw in that bullpen day, an inning is going to be something that's going to be, I mean, look, no other team's got that kind of firepower. So I think, you know, you're going to see out of Eno, you're going to see a lot of sugar, but there are going to be times where it's going to be Jake and Max over anybody else if it's that kind of a spot where you could use them for an inning in a playoff. A hundred percent. And what, one last thing I want to add before we jump into the Braves series, you know, kind of the biggest series of the year for the New York Mets in case Ish. people aren't paying attention. Ish. Ish. Yeah. Um, I just want to share one more thing on Eduardo Escobar, because again, he was someone worth throughout the year. I've always loved the guy. Great personality. He was just one of those great players that again, was coming off of a year where it was first time all-star, but again, great clubhouse personality, but wasn't performing on the field. There, there were points this year right before he was on the IL where I was, I wanted Jorme starting more at third base over him because again, he was non-existent from the left side of the plate as you alluded to earlier on in the show and to see what he's done in September. Now, I mean, he's 31 for 91. He's buying over 340, over 1000 OPS, 24 RBIs. He's only trailing Pete Alonzo. I mean, talk about a guy to lengthen your lineup right now. Eduardo Escobar has done all that. And then some, and he honestly gives me a gives me personal vibes of a guy. If there's going to be a playoff hero that is not named the top dogs in the slab, it feels like Eddie has a great chance to be that guy for the New York Mets with the way he's swinging the bat, being a hot hand as you're entering postseason. It could not come at a perfect time for this club, and I'm just so happy and proud of him. He he's a phenomenal person. No one deserves it more than Fogo Power. So just beyond beyond exact to see what he's been able to do throughout the entire month of September. Can I throw one question to you guys before you do the, the Brave series, yeah, which I, I hear yeah, is baby. kind of important? So oh, this, this is the kind of stuff that that like that I think about. I know everybody, because I don't want to get anybody upset by when I, I... I'm not trying to take Vientos out of the lineup, but I want to get like somebody egg in my apartment here. But if Starling Marte can be a thing, which, by the way, that's a big thing, right? If he can get back in the lineup and be healthy, do you consider DHing Escobar... On days where lefties are starting and putting Guillaume at third and McNeil at second, because I'm raising my hand, I would. 100%. Yeah. And, I would. And, and I'm with you a thousand percent because Tyler. Are you in there? I would. Tyler loves Vientos. And he actually got very mad at me earlier tonight because I told him, I said, dude, I said, I don't like Vientos. I, well, said, I think he's got kid. a long, loopy swing. He's a kid, but I don't want to see him in these games when we're, when we're, you know, fighting for a division. Right now, I think his swing needs to get shortened up at the big league level. The long loopiness might work and might give him power in AAA. In the bigs, guys are going to blow it right by you. And guys are going to have you looking silly on breaking balls like the Marlins had him looking tonight. I, I don't, Vantos does not belong in the postseason roster to me. Beatty, even before the injury, did not belong in the postseason roster. I'm with to you me. there. Yes. You know, let me let interject. Get a taste of it. I know, Tyler. I know you love the pro. You're a prospect hugger. I get it. I no, get it. I'm not. Casey, no, 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 no. What do you no, always no. say? What do you prospects always say? are cool. Parades are cooler. 
I'm not. I'm not a product. I'm the farthest thing from it. That's not true. I'm not in favor of trades. However, if you give up the entire farm for a rental and you don't win at all, well, sure, that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. Fair. yeah. I mean, I think anyone. I that's just, fair. I don't think these guys should be on the roster in October because they don't have the experience. No. And but this, I'm putting I'm putting Guillaume and McNeil in the infield as much as I can if Marte's healthy and I'm DHing Escobar to not get his bat out of the way. Yes. No, I 100 percent agree with that. My my to give uh you know benefit of Vientos here, one thing that I do notice with him, again, he's very inexperienced, so this is true. I still have a slight edge of favoring Mark Vientos than I do Darren Ruff. Because oh, there's one oh. thing that Mark Vientos has proven to do in a very small sample size exactly. is that he can actually hit the ball for power. And that's something that Ruffs has not been able to do whatsoever since arriving in Queens. So I get it. He's the vet and I understand that, but he is someone that has been so underwhelming that there's a part of me that would almost trust Vientos in a spot where there's a runner scoring position more than Jared Ruff because Ruff as of now, he's going to be on the playoff roster just for the fact that he's a lefty killer. Yeah. Vientos hasn't hit shit against righties. I get that. But if they are going to consider Ruff, then at minimum they have to be considering Mark Vientos. Tyler, we talked about this, I think, last episode, or last episode that I was on. Darren Ruff might not be on the playoff roster because Terrence Gore might be taking his spot. Oh, Terrence Gore is going to be on the playoff roster. Yeah, you and can it might guarantee be a rough that. Spot that you we can guarantee that. We went That's over this. True. If Marte That's is true. healthy, uh, there was an odd man out between what? You've got your your eight position players, and then yes. you've got your five backups. So it's Nito, call him the backup catcher, even though it's a platoon. Uh, Vogel back at DH, Naquin because he's an outfielder. Uh, Guillaume was considered a backup there. And then it's like Ruff or Gore. Oh, Gore is going to be on the team. Gore is going to be in the postseason out. for sure. Right? Like, like is Ruff the odd man out there or is yes. Naquin? Am I missing something? No, I th- I think it's – I th- well, it depends. I mean, you could say Vogelback, but you can't put Vogelback in the field, really. So, I mean, Naquin – No, Vogelback it, will be on the roster. Y- yeah, he, no, he, but I'm just saying it's it, well Naquin is an additional lefty, but he's a lefty that you could actually put in the field. Yes. He's got to be on the team. Yeah. Um. And I by the way, he got a huge hit against the lefty recently. Was that in the Oakland series where – where he was in against the lefty in a start, had a big, had a yes. big RBI knock. Like, because like, Naquin was all we, lefties. Uh, you know, we, he at least got a hit against the lefty in the last at bat. I think we saw him. Naquin's going to be there. I think Ruff would be the odd man out if Marte. Yeah, because Gore's got to be there. You got to yeah. have Gore. Gore's on the that, that's Gore's exactly why they caught up Gore on what was it, like the thirty first, make sure that he was eligible. For oh, he's going to be there. Yeah. yeah. No. So that yeah. that's completely fair. I, I'm talking more so in the notion where, say, Ruff would be on the roster in that scenario. I'm someone that kind of wants to favor Vientos just because Ruff has not proven it to me. I know Vientos hasn't done anything crazy either, but when the kit has has gone, his four career hits, they've all been RBIs. So, you know, I don't know if that, that means anything to you, but for me, it means a little bit considering Darren Ruff probably has the same exact thing as a New York Met and a much larger sample size. Yeah, I, I don't disagree that Vientos is a better option than Ruff. I just think that they're both gone because we're going to have Gore in that spot. And right now, Eddie's hitting and he's hitting really well from the right side. By the way, I think that Believing Queens deserves some credit for Eddie because, you know, Tyler, we started this show in late June. He started hitting first week of July, really. And then we just moved into our Believe Studios in Manhattan Beach. And there was a Fogo de Chow right across the street from the Believe Studios. So, yeah, first of all, wait, 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 the Believe Studios that you're allowed in? Because I know Tyler not in Manhattan Beach. No, no. Tyler is in Backwoods, Pennsylvania. Right. Backwoods. Uh, Backwards. Well, first of all, everything in Pennsylvania is back. No, it's thank you. 
You're talking to two Long Islanders, Tyler. No, it's, it's not true. Where are you, I'm the Poconos? No. I've just I've been in Allentown, PA, the majority of my oh, life. Oh, Allentown. Yeah. Also, my favorite Billy Joel tune. So there fun. you go. Right. Exactly. Billy Joel song. All right. Yeah. But, so yeah, you no, always comes back to Long Island yeah. some way. Always yeah. come back to Long Island some way. But yeah, we just got our new studio like two weeks ago. We moved in, and uh, there's a Fogo across the street. So I saw that, and first day I'm driving to the office, I'm thinking of Eddie. Dude, you're at, you're out there in Manhattan Beach in Hermosa. I used to live in L.A. for years. So. Oh yeah, I lived there for three years. And Sharky's, which was used to be a great place out there, I think it burned down. You should ask somebody about that. But that was a crazy bar back in that day. Uh, so it's good. You can run the boardwalk and and stay stay in good shape. While you know Tyler's in Pennsylvania, and you know wondering why why doesn't he have his own studio that's that's on the beach somewhere? I think exactly. that's BS, Tyler. I'm just saying. I got your back, Tyler. That's a BS. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I hey, appreciate you know what? That. I have to jog the boardwalk to stay in shape. He'll be shoveling snow. You know, I'll have abs. He'll have. No, I'm paying. I'm paying people at this point. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with. The oh, snow. he's got that believe in Queens money. He's paying people. <laughs> believe in Queens money. Yeah, yeah. And he's hey, gonna, he's going to use it to bet online. <laughs> Check your PayPal. It's the 28th, buddy. I think we just got it in. Net 30. I love it. I love it, guys. Did we get series. paid? I just realized that, did we? Oh, I, I don't know. I'll talk to HR tomorrow. We'll do Biggest tomorrow. series of the year is, uh, is on deck. Mets, Braves. We've got some pitching realignment. Uh, if you look on you know, MLB.com, ESPN, it might not be there just yet. But Casey, it's looking like DeGrom is kicking things off Friday, followed by Mad Max, followed by Seabass. I mean, uh, this has playoffs written all over it. What a yep. one, two, three. That's right. Uh, Casey, what do you think about this? I know you have a little theory. What I went do. into this decision making? Well, I, wanna, I think I there's, a, the there's, there's a lot of things that it sets up for. One, it's a drop the hammer move. You, you just took a one game lead. You get to start the series with DeGrom and put it to him early. And I'll use a quote from the movie Little Giants where Ed O'Neill, uh, Al Bundy says, uh, that's, that's not a girl. That's my niece, Becky, and she's pissed about Icebox. <laughs> uh, Jacob DeGrom coming off that, that start in Oakland. They don't want him to wait any longer than he has to to get back out there. They want him as regular and right as rain, and he's going to be pumped up and ready to go dominate to go take a two-game lead. That's number one. Number two, it sets him up for the last game of the season if they need it against the Nationals to clinch. So if the last game, if it came down to that last game of the year, he would then be set up if you needed to pitch him. Obviously, you would wait it out and let him pitch game one if you don't need it. But if you needed to pitch him, he would be the guy that would be set up to pitch in that last game. The thing that I said to you guys from a conspiracy theory standpoint, I'm down in Atlanta. Don't understand why they're not playing. And thank you, Braves, for turning down the opportunity to play Thursday, which is just BS. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It's be, as we're sitting here, whenever you're listening or watching this, for you folks, it's going to be, you know, we're sitting here tomorrow, Thursday, or today, I guess, at this point. My gosh, was it, 3 in the morning? Today, at this point, it's going to be 70 degrees and sunny. Nobody playing. But I think the way it looks is that they're going to get two of the three in. And the third one's going to be very, very difficult because one of these, for sure, is probably going to get banged. So if you look at it this way, the Mets have the tiebreaker against the Braves right now, right? If DeGrom gets you out front and gets you a two-game lead, all right, and you only play one other game in that series, let's say, and Max is that pitcher, right? You set yourselves up where that last game that you would have to fly back here in Atlanta and play, because remember the MLB scenario, for people who don't know, is that if the third game is not played, they're going to leave that extra day before the wild card game to come back here and play it. The Mets wouldn't have to play it if you get that two-game lead. The way Buck is thinking, I think, is you can make that game expendable because if the Mets have a one-game lead over Atlanta with the tiebreaker, you don't have to come down here and play that game 162. Doesn't matter. 
But if you could jump out, get a two-game lead, if they only play two down here, I think he makes it so that, hey, look, they could finish things against the Nationals, and it makes that last game not matter. I think it makes making sure if you're only going to play two out of three, you make sure that you get your two best pitchers in. And I think that's what the Mets are concerned about. They're concerned that Max would then get rained out, let's say, right? Or Jake, whoever's pitching third, he reversed it. It would be Bassett who gets rained out in this situation. I think that's why they did it. And one thing that I would like to add is that it's crazy how the Mets having Jake and Max for games one and two, how amazing they are because Chris Bassett has been equally as amazing against the Braves specifically this year. He has been a pain in their ass every time he's matched up against them. But one question I have for you before we expand more on not only the Mets pitching wise, but also how the Braves are matching up is you said you're in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So are you attending the games? Oh, I'm, I'm planning. Well, are there going to be games? If there are yeah. games, I, I'm, plan- yeah. Yeah. I'm planning there's on, gonna be, there's gonna yeah. more I'm planning than on attending whatever time they play Friday's game. Okay. And then I'm hoping that if I, I'm not going to be able to do it Saturday, but I'm hoping that maybe Sunday, if it ends up being a double dip that I can go, but I'll be there for whatever time they play on Friday. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So K- Casey, yeah. I actually have a question uh, for you here. I, I kind of want to pivot a little bit just yeah. because, you know, on unfiltered, you talk about your family, you're, you know, I know you, fairly well and i know that you're a huge family man and you've got these amazing beautiful children thank you um of course so we're, we're in a playoff race here oh i thought uh, you were gonna explain me how that happens because i was like if, the, if this yeah, is not the way this guy from long island well there's well, this, this birds thing and then bees come all right go ahead yeah go ahead. <laughs> the best the best was what my grandpa told my dad when he asked the question my grandpa sat him down and goes well he goes when a man loves a woman there's sperm. And then he walked out. Of the <laughs> All right, go ahead. What was your question? I interrupt you. Go ahead. Um, You know, we're in the middle of a big playoff race here down the stretch yep. and Mets Braves for, you know, especially the last 20, 25 years has been, I'd say 25, 30, even a ridiculous rivalry. Are the kids coming to the game with you? Are they too young for that? Would you bring no. them? Would you expose? My dad had a no. rule. Like he wouldn't take me to, no. to citizens bank. Uh, no. until I was like oh, 13, I would take 14. them. Oh, no, I don't care. I would take them. Anybody goes near them. I mean, even people that, that, are, that are my size, and I don't think, you know, Tyler, none of us are very tall, in case we haven't noticed. I, I think we, you know, Joe, are, how tall are you, Joe? Are you? Are you I'm 6'4". Yeah, I mean, I mean, what is that nonsense? Really? You couldn't lend us some? <laughs> yeah, you can at least give me <laughs> I, I resulted to wearing is, lifts I, now. I was wearing lifts in his shoes. I'm wearing seriously, lifts I mean, seriously, I'm dude, really? Like, I don't care about being the last to know it snows. You couldn't, anyway, but the point being, like, I don't, I don't, I don't worry about that. I can't be dead when I'm in it. Like, if I'm, oh, if okay. I, when I'm in it and in that, that mode, like in a game like this, Hell no. Like, cause I can't, and it's not about like beer. It's about like when I'm a father, it's like, I want my father, my, I, I take my son to games. I took my, I remember taking him to his first hockey game and it was during the playoffs and I like regretted it. Not cause the building was loud and it probably was some sort of like child endangerment. I shouldn't have been in, but because like, I like literally, I can't take you to the bathroom now. Like, are you serious? <laughs> We're not going to the bathroom. You got to hold it in. Like, what do you, it's like the scene in cool runnings. Hold it. What the hell do you mean? Hold it. So, like, I'm not going to get you more popcorn or a hot dog. No offense. And I'm a good dad. But because I'm a good dad, I'll make sure that he is safe and comfortable. And I will go into the 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 because, look, I mean, Tyler, I, I don't think you have kids yet. But no, based on God. the way that things go for you on YouTube, I'm just happy you're surviving and breathing. You're not taking a kid into a game, are you? Like, I can't experience that with my kid there and be a dad. Can't do it. 
Can't no. not no. Not this yeah, kind of game. During I, the I season, yes. That completely. Yeah, during the season, yes. Like this kind of game, hell no. No. My, my, my dad had two rules. No NFL game and no games, uh, no Mets Phillies at Citizens Bank Park until oh, I was okay. like a teenager. Because people the, in Pennsylvania I, again, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, no, they're schmucks. 100%. As someone who resides here that deals with my best friend's a Phillies fan, biggest schmuck. I mean, they're all around. I will say, though, I do find that as a little bit of a, um, a fallacy on like Phillies fans, uh, specifically them. That like you're gonna go up and get murdered because there are a no. lot of New Yorkers that feel that way no. when you go that Eagles way. Fans only. I roll their all. Eagles fans are Eagles different. fans only. Eagles fans are Eagles different. Fans are Flyers fans, the Flyers game. actually play decent hockey a little bit, but Phil- Phillies especially. I mean, I've been there so many times, but the there it's not like the Mets fans don't show up. That's a thing. Like last no. time when I was in Philly earlier this year, there were just as many Mets fans, if not more, than Phillies fans. That's when Alonzo hit his. I want to say that's when he hit his uh, 30th home run of the season. Um, and the Mets won that first Friday game night, of that right? like four games. Yeah, and that it was my buddy's birthday. I took him. He's a Phillies fan, so it it ended up being my birthday gift, even though it wasn't actually my day. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like we got to talk though, quick, just on the Braves pitching in this matchup because you don't have Spencer Strider. He is out for the remainder of the year on the IL, dealing with Drinking some oblique issues. Yeah, chamomile tea. Yeah, who the schmuck didn't get his chamomile tea, I guess. You know, I, so he clearly doesn't only have. He has more time to get lucky, though. That's good. <laughs> he does. Chamomile I was tell- great, great for his cycle. Yeah, it's it's great for menstrual reasons. And I wish I knew that when he first made his statement that, oh, I didn't have my chamomile tea after the loss to the Mets. Oh my God, that would have been hilarious. That and cranberry um, juice. That's that's the best scene in the department. I thought that's for I thought that's for isn't that for like urinary tract infections? Cranberry juice. That and, and yeah. that and your period. Yeah. Yeah, okay. departed, right? You seem to know a lot about this. Show. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. I'm going strictly off the departed. I was right? like, I, you've been I, in I, Manhattan I, Beach. You've been in Manhattan Beach like eight minutes. You already like sound like somebody who lives in Manhattan Beach. We, we, know all that a, we can stuff. go on a whole tangent off air about Joe. Oh, man. Well, Tyler, Tyler had me on his live stream when he was talking about Strider and the chamomile tea. And uh, I showed up <laughs> like I'm a single guy. I live alone in my apartment. I pulled out a thing of pads. I was like, here, this is for Spencer Stratton. <laughs> <laughs> so the Braves pushed back Max Freed to make sure he's matching up. I believe he's in game one. Then I want to say game two, that's going to be Kyle Wright. And game three is Charlie Morin. Now, Freed is a guy that has always historically done well against the Mets. Mets have had the upper hand over him, but he's never pitched terribly against the Mets all year long. Kyle Freed, uh, not Parmy, not Kyle Freed. Um, why am I blank? Kyle, Kyle Wright, Wright is someone yep. that, even though he has 21s on the year, the Mets did beat up on him pretty good, at least in one of the starts that they matched up they against did. him. And then Charlie Morton, same thing. Earlier in the year, the Mets did really well against Morton. Then last time they matched up in Atlanta, Morton was an absolute stud. He pitched like probably his best start of the entire year, carved up the Mets hitters. So from the Braves' side point, um, pitching-wise, Casey, starting with you, what expectations do you have from their starters? Because I think as much as there's a great chance we're going to see balls flying out left and right, we could see some really deep pitching duels until those bullpens come in for both respective teams. Well, look, I, I love I love Max Freed. I mean, I don't know what there is not to like. The fact that he's a brave, fine. But, like, I love watching the dude pitch. <clears throat> like, that's a dude. I mean, he he one of the best he goes after you. Yeah, I mean, he pitches all the, all the right things. I mean, honestly, he's got, like, a lot of DeGrom in him. And in terms of, like, just go out there, like, all business, like, very much, like, just kind of taking care of it. And he'd been good against the Mets, even though he hasn't been brilliant. He'd been good against them. Um, I expect that these pitching matchups are going to be pretty good. I think that Kyle Wright is the one to me 
that's the most vulnerable for the Mets to, to maybe beat up a little bit, but he's been very good. Because here's the thing about Charlie Morton. Got to be fair. When you're thinking about game sevens and, and those kind of feels, which is what this is, uh, I'm sorry. Like, there aren't that many dudes in the last 10 years that done what Charlie Morton's done in yeah. those kind of games in this sport. So, like, if it matters and it's important, that dude going to pitch well. But I'm calling it right now. Kenley Jansen will blow a lead and blow a save in this series. The Braves will carry a lead in this series, and the Mets will get Kenley Jansen and win. Casey, do you know Calling about, it in this about series. the shirts? Do you know about the new shirts? No, I no no, I don't know about the new shirts. Are those Tyler. presented by Bet Online? Tell me about the. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> by the way, it, it, Tyler, can you screen share? Do you have the capability to screen share? Uh, no. No. So. so we've got new yeah. shirts. If you head over to shop.believe.com, you can get Believe in Queens merch and unfiltered merch. Casey, are you, you wearing unfiltered merch right I, now? I am wearing an unfiltered revolution shirt right now. So it's go silly. get the merch, guys. Shop.believe.com. But we just dropped in addition to our six Believe in Queens shirts. I've got the trumpets. Tyler's got get wrecked for our incredible and absent co-hosts. Uh, but we just dropped three shirts that are kind of ragging on our opposing uh, you know, teams, our rivals. We got bad fundies. Oh, I like that uh, you know, for the, the Phillies. Games. Yep. We got Stankies for the Yanks. It's oh, I like that. Cursive. I like and that. Then, uh, and we've got a shirt that says warm up Jansen. <laughs> and the A in Jansen is the Atlanta A logo. It's either like it's that. either going to work beautifully for this series or it's going like to be the that. biggest jinx in the universe. No, so I don't think it's a jinx. And, I, and by the way, and I happen to really like getting her cover them over the years. That the sad part about this is I was always a defender of Kenley's. The Dodger fans they really crapped on him. I thought too much because you know the amount of times that he was in games in the eighth inning that he shouldn't have been. They had nobody else in the bullpen. I mean, he was terrific for them. Um, they basically boot him out of the city, which is ridiculous. Guy had, like heart surgery and like came yep. back and tried to play for you. As much as I love Kenley Jansen, all that said, he, he, that's the biggest discrepancy between these two teams in the ninth inning. And I think it will show up. I think Jansen will blow again. Jansen, he reminds me of like he's in Jonathan Broxton stage right now. Mm. When I remember late, late in his career, when he was with the Dodgers and the Phillies, he used to boogaboo and just get him every time. Kenley Jansen going to blow it in a big spot here down the stretch. And I think it's coming in this series. Hey, look, the Dodger fans who booed him out of town, I bet they'd still rather have him than oh, Craig Kimbrell right now. Right, which, yeah. I mean, so would Dave Roberts, who took Craig Kimbrell out of the closer role. By the way, how many teams have ever won with closer by committee and with the injuries the Dodgers have? The Dodgers are, are beatable coming up. The, yeah. the, this is going to be... Let's I'm in. I mean, this is a lot more fun than like, you know, who should we fire? And, and, you know, why is Mr. Met giving us the finger? This is a lot more fun. <laughs> you just got to win the division, baby. To me, if you're a yeah. wild card or at least, you know, I don't want to speak for the Braves, but if the Mets get the wild card, I just, I don't think it's going to happen. They win the division. I have a really mm -hmm. good feeling about where this can go. You know, you win in the postseason with pitching, right? Obviously you got to hit the ball. You got to score runs. First and foremost, it's pitching. We saw it in 2015. There's a reason the 90 win Mets in 2015 who had the worst record of the National League's five playoff teams, came out, won the pennant that year. Daniel Murphy. Pitching, <laughs> Daniel Murphy. And, and the pitching was, you know, I yeah. mean, come on. We were, we were running out Syndergaard back when oh, you know, sure. he had a pair. And DeGrom and Harvey, you know, back when he was sober. Or maybe, I don't know. It was, the pitching was perfect that postseason. And uh, this pitching's even better. I mean, you've got a, a, sure, a shoe-in, surefire Hall of Famer. And you've got DeGrom, who... The only question with him about the Hall of Fame case is going to be longevity, not performance. So pitching this year, even better than it was in 2015. Just got to win that division. I want to ask about Morton, though, because, yes, obviously, you know, he's been in this situation before. He's experienced. He's shoved in, in big moments in September, October, November. But his last six starts against the Mets, he's got a four and a half ERA. 
So what are you giving more weight to there? Morton's clutch factor or the fact that the Mets over the last, you know, year and a half have touched him up pretty well? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, if I would have told you that, like, yeah, I don't know what Jacob deGrom's number were against A's hitters because I think they were all eight years old. Yeah. Like, I don't even I don't even know who they were. But like, you know, matchups could 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 look one way. I remember, you know, in 1988 which was, you know, I don't even want to ask like what negative ages the two of you were. I Ten mean, years before I was born. I mean, really just dis- disgraceful on both of your parts. 12. But I remember, and I was, I was 11 at the time. Oral Hershiser basically wiped the Mets off the, off the, the map. The Mets won 11 of 12 games that year against the Dodgers, right? So all the matchups were in their favor. I bring that up because, at the end of the day, like sometimes guys who shove are just going to shove. So do I expect Morton to shut to shut them out? No. But do I think he'll pitch well? He probably pitch well. I mean, that that's just it's always it's always been that way. I mean, look, even on those Astro teams, he wasn't supposed to be the dude yet in game seven. He was the dude who was coming through and doing it. And he's he's had really two good years for Atlanta overall. So I expect him to pitch well. I, I think the pitching is going to be pretty even. I don't think these are going to be seven, six games. I don't think there's going to be like that Taiwan Walker game in that first series that they played in New York where we would have swept all four, if not for, you know, the six, nothing or whatever. I don't think you're going to get anything like that. I think, I think, right. That's right. I think it's going to be close, but I, th- I think Jansen will blow one. I think Jansen will blow one. Okay. Um, two things before we you know yeah. wrap up this discussion. Yeah. One, I have one question for you before you wrap it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask you uh, this question first, but for those that don't know, the Mets have one possibility to actually win the division this weekend, and that is by sweeping the three-game series. So one, making sure that all three games are played, and two, winning all of them. Now, I think that's a steep ask. I don't expect the Mets to personally. If they do, then fantastic. I'll lose my mind. I mean, it, I've been going nuts. I just went nuts over a walk-off against the Marlins. I can only imagine what a sweep in this type of division to win the division against the Braves in Atlanta would feel like, but I digress. So if they if they sweep, they win the division. If not, they win two or three. Then they still need to make sure, obviously, that they win against the Nationals, or they will have the tiebreaker at minimum, depending on how things match up when all games are done between these two clubs. But my one question to both of you, starting with you, Casey, is you look at this Braves lineup. Yes, you don't have Ozzy Abbey's right now because of his broken finger, and they have one other injury as well. Them blanking on maybe it was just from the pitching side with Spencer Strider, but they gained Albies. They lost him right away. This Braves lineup can still hit big time. Yes, they struggled a little bit lately. They struggled in uh, their series finale against the Nationals, but they're huge swing and miss. But when they barrel, that ball is going high and it's going far. So my question to you both is, what is the one player from the Braves that you are most concerned about in this series when discussing hitters? Dansby Swanson. Okay. Yeah, yeah. you took mine. That's took that's mine. their that's their people. People don't realize. Look, I see this team a lot because they're here, right? Even when they're not, they're not playing the Mets. What people don't realize about the MO of this team the last couple of years, you know, Cunha, your MVP-like play, and then he's not there last year, and, and you know, Rosario and how great he was down the stretch. And, and look, Austin Riley's great. Harris is fantastic. But their best clutch dude, their dude who always seems to get in a run when he needs to, breaks every nothing-nothing in the six that, that you know, has every game-tying hit you seem to have, you know, where there's not even enough categories of stats to find to kind of give you one point that make it, you know, explainable. It's always the same guy. It's always Dansby Swanson. The best comp I can give you, what he reminds me of, I'm not saying as a player, but as a Met fan watching what he does, Chase Utley. And that's uh, all you need to know. Uh, 
this guy's getting all their big hits. He is the guy that they, everything about their energy and all their big spots is always Dansby Swanson for me. So, yeah, I mean, Casey, I I don't know if I could say it much better. Sorry, Teller. I just want to reiterate because that was my answer. I'm not going to go fishing for a different answer. The other one I was thinking of is the guys who scare me are the lesser name guys, like the Robbie Grossmans, the Eddie Rosarios. Because when you mow down Acuna, Swanson, Olsen, right when you think you're in the clear, one of those guys just takes you deep every single time. And, and so that's the other thing, the other aspect to it. But what scares me about Swanson, the reason he's my answer is because I'm going to take this from as a former pitcher, a pitching perspective, right? Acuna can be pitched to. If you do it right, if you hit your spots, you can get him out with that breaking ball low and away. Olsen can be pitched to. Oh, Jam sure. him with heaters in. Go, you know, raise his eye level. Hit, you know, hit the strike zone, let her high. Olsen can be pitched to. Swanson doesn't have a weak zone. Like, I mean, I'm sure maybe if you look at the metrics, the baseball savant, whatever, maybe he's hitting 220 in, in one of the one of the nine boxes. But there, there's no zone where you know if I hammer Swanson there, I'm going to get him out. We've seen him take, you know, change-ups low and in and do damage. We've seen him go up and away with heaters and do damage. Slider, like Swanson, I mean, I think, you know, he's taken Jake deep on. He's hit the Grom hard. Yeah, he's taken him deep on a heater at 100, and I think he's taken him for a slider in the gap uh, in the game in Atlanta a week later. So Swanson's the guy who just doesn't matter what pitch, what zone, where it is. He's the guy who can get you, you know, any count, any pitch, anywhere. And uh, Acuna and Olsen, you have to be precise because if you make a mistake, they're going to make you pay, but they can be pitched to. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Austin Riley. Riley has raked against the Mets his entire career. He's barreled really well against Jake in the past. Maybe not so much this year, but he did last year as well. Remember when Jake had his first like poor star of the year right before his injuries started to unravel the remainder of his year? Riley was a big factor in that game. I'm, I want to say he had a home run in that ball game. I'm pretty sure. Was that like the did. first inning where he gave up like three in the first? And then yeah, yeah, I'm almost, yeah, yeah, exactly. In Atlanta. Um, Austin yeah. Riley, um, can, can't, um, say it enough how underrated I feel like he is when he's been a MVP candidate the past couple of years. I mean, he's so good. So underrated. Yes. He has that ability to chase quite a bit and he has those similarities to Pete Alonso in that sense, especially down and away with the slider, but he's someone where you cannot leave anything hanging because he will make you pay 1000%. He's a doubles machine. He's a home run machine. I'm going with Austin Riley, especially cause I do not want to have us all in unison on dancing. I don't, I don't want to give well, him that much credit. Pick. I mean, come on. It's hard to dispute you there. The guy mashes. Maybe he's not, you know, hitting at the same rate he was in the first half of the season or, you know, by the end of July. Francis Glendora has been, has been the man in comparison. Oh yeah. Look, Swanson. Yeah. Look, oh, he, he scares me the most. Sure. Swanson's the second best shortstop in the NL East. Yeah. And, and look, yeah. It, it, it's just, it's, it's the clutch gene. It's the fact that he always finds a way. Um, I was just looking up to see if there was anything, knew that I hadn't seen before I asked my question. It's a kind of a, a, the question is, do you feel the same way I do? And I'm always, I almost don't want to utter this out out loud, but I'm going to, <laughs> when you're talking about winning the division and all the reasons why, right. And you talked about, Hey, you know, Joe, if they, you know, they got to win the wild card, I think they could go deep if they, w- but, but, you worry about okay now you've used Degrom and you used Max it, when I got Carlos Carrasco and I was gonna write all those things that you don't want okay yeah. the biggest reason the Mets need to win this division for me Starling Marte yeah. I need that extra time because here's my Great do point. you feel the same way that I feel I, I'm always thinking do I want to say this out loud because I don't want Tyler to yell at me. No, no, no. Look, I'm about to be negative. I'm about to be, it's not negative, but I'm about to be like very realist on you. 
I don't think the Mets can win the World Series without a healthy Marte. I fully agree, and I was thinking about that earlier tonight. I don't I think agree. they can. I can't. I can't be mad at something that's factual. I don't <laughs> think they can. Yeah. I don't think no. they can. He's a Gold Glover. He, I mean, he gives you so many more options on the base pads. You know, tonight I think that uh, when Vientos struck out, and this was when I was telling Tyler I was pissed at Vientos. I think the Mets were trying that first and third thing. They said Escobar took off and stopped like halfway to second. Marte's stolen home twice this year. He he gives you, you know, even though he's had that nagging groin injury, he picks his spots. And when he decides he's going to haul ass, the man hauls ass. Uh, you know, he gives you a threat on the base pads that this team hasn't had since Jose Reyes. Gold glove, glove defense. defense. Yep. <laughs> I mean, home you know, runs, huge, pop, huge home pop. runs, clutch hits, Third most pop lengthens your lineup. And, and to me, like I, the reason why I hedge saying it, Tyler, is because like, if we hear he can't come back for some reason, now look, we, we heard, you know, he's, his return's not imminent, whatever that means. You know, he's not he returning to the Braves series. Or a bat. Right. That's the issue. He's having yeah. a harder time throwing, from what I heard, than yeah. swinging, which, by the way, brings up an interesting point because I would not be surprised if they had to, if he's your, I know this is crazy, yeah. but he's your DH in no, the postseason. I, 100%. That's, if he that's, can't that's throw, he may be your designated hitter until he can throw, Correct. if he can only swing, because I need him in the lineup. But I really don't think the Mets can do this without him. That's how I valuable agree. I think he is. I, I really, I just don't see it. I don't think they can do this without him being helped. Marte's literally a 300 hitter that you're missing in this lineup right now yeah, and has the pop. Hitter. And can Ooh, steal the bag. Home run guy in a full year. And and the biggest thing about Marte that can, you know, we always need to make sure we acknowledge is his ability to be that consistent place setter. I mean, you talk about the Mets being that pesky team that makes teams have defensively errors left and right. It starts with Marte getting that half swing or that bunt single down. And, and there's no shot. He's going down first hustling and he's there. He does that on almost nightly basis, even when he isn't swinging the bat great. That's what makes him so good because of his ability to be on-base king. Just like Brandon Nemo, same exact way with being on-base king by having a great eye at the plate and getting his walks. The Mets, their ability to grind out at-bats and maybe get the blue pits, whatever they need. Marche is right at the forefront of it all when it comes to Mets playing their best Mets baseball. You need him not just for the great glove and right and having the best arm by far. You're not running on Marte when he's there and right. No chance. He's the best arm the Mets have had in their outfield since Johanna Cespedes when he was healthy, which was few and far in between. So, yes, 100% without Marte, I don't see a clear path for the Mets to get, let alone win the World Series. But again, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. No, let's but that's why I'm sure saying that I just wanted to point it out only because it's another reason that winning the division is so important. That yes. that extra few days could be just the extra time that he needs not having to play to get you set up for that first series. Because to me, he's got to be in the lineup. He's got to be in right field. Look how much better your bench gets. Look mm -hmm. how all of a sudden how much more versatile you become. The choice. You're not being forced. You're making choices if you're Buck. And good choices and fun choices of what to do with Canna and where to put McNeil and if Guillaume's off the bench and and how to kind of you know sit and have you could have two three lefties off the bench if they if another team switches with you right and goes to a right hand. There's so many things that he presents for you. He's got to be there. I don't think they can win it without him. And Marte's nuts because he's that one guy that has ability where when he has a home run ball going, he'll hit you two home runs in a game. Like that's like, he did that against Atlanta this year. Like he he has that ability. And, and, you know, look, even though Jeff McNeil, and I absolutely love the guy, and when people in the offseason were saying trade McNeil, I was always against it because I knew if he just lost the home run swing, 
that gap to gap, yep. you know, I mean, it's like you think of the best gap to gap hitters in our lifetime, <laughs> Murphy, when he was with us because he found his real pop, you know, obviously in the postseason, but with Washington in the regular season, you know, Murphy, McNeil, like these are our versions of Keith Hernandez in terms of a lefty who puts the bat on the ball, doesn't strike out, goes gap to gap. And so I wanted to keep McNeil. I love that no matter where you put him, he plays his ass off and he makes crazy plays in left and in right. But at the end of the day, I don't want to see him in right. Maybe he'll get to balls. He'll make great catches. Marte has an arm that guys don't want to run on. So for Marte, for me, it goes a little deeper than just, you know, can we have his bat in the lineup? It's, can we have his glove in the field? You know, yeah. he's got a little more range than McNeil, even though McNeil gets to a lot of balls, but it's that damn arm that is just an absolute killer. It also, to your point earlier about maybe DHing Eddie, it makes the infield better defensively. McNeil has played a gold glove second base, and Luis Guillorme, no matter where you put him, is going to play at a gold glove level. So, you know, I, I would just, I want the best fielding team out there. You know, you look at the 2015 Royals, what do they do? They put the ball in play and they played great defense. Look at the 2022 Mets, they put the ball in play, they played great defense. So, you know, it burned us seven years ago, maybe this year. I'm not going to say it, but who knows? And no Lucas Duda, so that's helpful. <laughs> we, we won the Duda trade. Right? We, won we won the, the Duda, Duda trade. trade. Drew Smith's out here hauling ass on the Mets. <laughs> okay. Those three guys, Adovino, uh, Sugar, and Smith faced nine batters and struck out seven. That's what we need in the playoffs. Not a big deal. That's Yeah, and right, none of them threw more than 15 pitches in an inning. So it's the kind of inning where, like, you know, if we had a big game tomorrow, they could all go tomorrow. I mean, that, that's what we need. It's uh didn't start out that way, but it ended up being a great night. Got even better when you joined the show, Casey. I, I'm going to I'll, I'll, I'll throw another, a, another just, you know, I, I know I keep saying another. And then there's another, and then all of a sudden it's gonna be oh the right. sun is You're up. The sun, then the sun's up, right? But <laughs> but I mean I love the Mets and I love baseball, so screw it. If Degrom has got a lead and does Degrom things, I'm not letting anybody except him and Edwin Diaz pitch that game. Yeah, yeah. Same Friday. with Max. Oh, you're talking and, about fr on Friday playoffs. Oh, I'm talking about Friday. I'm talking about I want to drop the hammer, close this division and put the Braves away. And if I got to get a chance to get a two-game lead, I'm pitching. If I if I can get Diaz in a five-out situation when I got rain and I don't know how many other games are being played, because it's all about they own a tiebreaker with the Braves. So, like, I got I to gotta think about even if we're tied, I'm in the lead, right, is the way it looks, especially if you win that other game. Then the Braves won't be able to win the season series, right? If I can, if I could win the season series, own the tiebreaker, get a two-game lead, which all happen if they win Friday, I'm going five outs with Diaz if I have to. I'm, 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 I'm dropping the hammer if I, if I can. I'm taking yeah. a two-game lead. I'm just this saying. Is probably God doing willing. It. Hopefully, this is you know probably Degrom's last start of the season. I'm dropping the hammer if so, I can. I'm, I'm yeah. rowing Diaz out there for, for more than, more than three outs. I'm do, I'm treating it like, like a, like. Like a game seven, because to take yeah. a two-game lead, win the season series, make the tiebreaker not matter, all of that stuff, I'm doing that if I can. I'm I mean, the Mets already rolled out Diaz once this year, just like that thinking That's of right. that game seven against the Braves right. at home. They did. Why not do it again if the opportunity presents I am, itself? Especially because yeah. Saturday's probably getting rained out. That's what I'm and doing plus, Friday. And plus, you have an off day tomorrow. Off so day tomorrow. tomorrow right. Probable off day Saturday. Diaz going Today, five or six outs for me on Friday. Yeah, and you know what? And a little bit, a little bit of this is on Jake too. I'm not going to dwell and harp on the Oakland start first. No, start but he got to give you six. He got to get through six innings at least. You got. I, I was going to say seven. Yeah, that's at least thing. six. He has not been that economical lately. Pirates, Cubs, they all ran up his pitch count a bit. 
He's got to be more economical, more efficient. I'm hoping for seven and then toss it to uh, toss it to Eddie. Good night. Just throw the fastball, dude. You don't need you don't need 19 other things. And I'm not the pitcher here in this group. But Jake, just just throw that heat, man. Listen, we love this swing and miss with Jake. But I will say is this is similar to Spencer Strayer this year. While you're getting a lot of swing and misses, that is naturally building up your pitch count. Jake needs to start to get more of that first pitch swinging fly out or that simple ground out. And that's where I'll disagree. Really? Contact is a beautiful thing. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of someone lately who just peppered the strike zone and pitched to contact really well. Rich Hill can do that because yeah. he throws yeah, that's a fastball 85. Yeah. When oh, you yeah. throw 100 like Jake does, a routine fly app to right field off a 100, 101 mile power fastball is in the seats. That's so, fair. Jake, right, let, 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 me, let me emphasize ground. That's out. half the battle. There ground the out. <laughs> yeah. Half the battle there is the velo of the pitch. You put a bat on it. It's going to go a long way. Look at Swanson's yeah. homer when Jake was perfect through like what? Five or six uh, earlier in the year against Atlanta. Swanson just put a bat on it and the ball flew. So, you know, I don't think Jake needs to pitch to contact. Just, you know, hammer that strike zone because, you know, to Casey's point of throwing the heat, just no one's catching you. No one, you know, you got that devastating slider that's touched 96 this year. Like he's got a slider that some guys wish their fastball. Slider is exactly what he needs to pump against the Braves because that has been a huge gripe for them. We've seen the Mets have endless success with that exact slider down away on those right. You can't hit a slider. No, Riley, all those all those right handers. The the fastball is where you will get caught your second or third time in the order because the Braves will sit on it. They're the best fastball hitting team in baseball. Doesn't matter how great Jake is. What is he? I want that slider sharp and ready. But I, but I like him when he's confident. And to me, yeah. when he's confident, he's going after you with the with the heater, and he's toying with you with the other stuff. Oh my and god! Yeah. That's when he's great. When he's throwing like he needs the other stuff, to me, he's never as good. When, yeah. when he's pumping that fastball, saying you can't hit me, and then he say, "I'll give you just as an example," which is like why I even remember this. I have no idea. But you go back to like two years ago when he was dominant before the injury. There was a game against the Phillies where he threw Gene Segura after throwing fastballs for the first time through the whole order. He threw Segura like four sliders in a row in one of the ugliest <laughs> bats I've game. ever seen just for fun because he had thrown fastballs for like three straight innings and they couldn't touch him. I, I just like the confidence of that. Yeah. To me, was, Jake, that, the, was Jake, that Philly game in like late June last yes. year? Yes. Yeah. I know exactly. The, that yeah. was the day my stepbrother got married. I was watching the game. They're like, Joe, the wedding's about to start. I'm like, Jake's feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but he's feeling but, he, but he had that he had that thing. Like like King Felix, when he was when he was dealing one sent to me, when I asked him, I said, you know, what's your approach in the game? He said, if they don't hit me in the first inning, they have no chance. Like legitimately, but he believed that like that's that confidence when Jake is feeling that, even though you don't show it like Max, to me, it's when he's throwing that fastball. It's when he's not getting too cutesy. And Edwin's the same one. I always felt the same way. If I set him down one, two, three in the first, I got a little smirk. I was like, let's let's have a day. No, Max is like that. Max is like that. Because it's like you just got through, if not their three best hitters, three of their four best hitters. And it's like, you know, all right. So now it's like, I don't have to stress until maybe the fourth inning. So let me go have a good first, second, third. In the fourth, I'll switch it up. Maybe work in some breaking stuff. Because I always tried to only throw fastballs. Like first inning, if I could, first time through the lineup. And then it's like, next time you see these guys work it in, you get through them a second time after the fourth. It's like, I've already done my job. So, yeah. I do that on MLB The Show sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. On that note, Casey, thank you so much. Appreciate you, boys. 
guys, make sure you go check out Unfiltered with Casey Stern. It's part of the Believe family here. Uh, he's he's one of the best in the biz, Casey. You really are. That Thank does it. Episode 25 of Believe in Queens. For my man, Wardy NYM, Tyler Ward, I'm Joe Serralo. We'll see you guys next time. Maybe Wrecker will even join us too. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.